Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... This is Pastor Chet Haney with the Highland Terrace Baptist Church and the His Mighty Hand Radio Podcast. So glad to have all of you listening with us today, and I'm so glad to have in studio, almost caught him by surprise, I think, today, Bill Kincaid, who is going to be uh, sharing a little bit. Bill, good to have you with us. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming in. I have... Uh, had a good conversation with Bill recently over a uh, writing project that you are involved in concerning an interesting play. Just looking over the uh, um, the script that you shared with me just now, it looks like a really interesting uh, premise of a play that takes place as someone is uh, basically standing at the pearly gates. Is that the idea? It's a play that deals with a plan of salvation. Yeah. Assume for a moment that you have died and have gone to heaven. Right. Or actually your your entry into heaven has been blocked by the, by the celestial court. Interesting. You have been charged with the capital offense of being a sinner. Wow. How do you plead? Are you guilty or are you not guilty? Uh-huh. And then... What evidence do you present in your defense? Wow. And we go through basically five scenarios. Yeah. Where different things that different people often think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, the fifth one is the correct one of, right. of, uh, that they have accepted Christ as their Savior. They have, Amen. they admit that they have sinned, that they have been forgiven, they've asked for forgiveness, and so forth. But the others, are all things that a lot of people believe yeah. are that they try. Okay, so basically the play is an expression of a lot of common thought out there about life and life after death and maybe some misconceptions that people have about going to heaven. That's the idea. Great. Well, I sure am looking forward to reading that, uh, Bill. How did you uh, get started writing? <laughs> well, actually, started as far as starting writing, I I used to be in journalism. In fact, I edited I our university newspaper and so yeah. forth. And then I worked for our daily newspapers for a number of years. Uh-huh. But so that was actually initially what I did before becoming an attorney or I a see. mediator. Yeah. But... I didn't get back to it, basically, until about the time that, well, actually it was, I'd been thinking about a a situation mm-hmm. for a number of years, but just never had the time to work with it. I see. And I discovered that is a dangerous thing to uh, to use as an excuse. Okay. 
because so I... you're an attorney with a background in journalism, and uh, you found that uh, this uh, nagging uh, uh, concern and really conviction that you should do some writing uh, just didn't go away. Yeah, it basically it started over on this particular book back with the Passion of the Christ. Do you remember that movie? Oh, I love that movie, the Mel Gibson. That's right. Uh, movie about Jesus, uh, right. Passion Week, and it's a <coughs> the normally any time that a Hollywood movie. Uh-huh makes over $300 million at the box office, there's going to be a sequel. Yeah. And I, so I was fully anticipating that there would be a sequel to that, especially mm-hmm. since it didn't show a number of things that I felt that yeah. probably ought to be done. Yeah. And a sequel would give them the chance to be able to do that. In other words, for example, it shows it shows the suffering that Christ went through. Right. Very graphically. Mm-hmm. But what was the reason? Was there a purpose? Does it have any end effect? Did it do any good? Did he accomplish this purpose? None of that's mentioned in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I felt could be addressed in a sequel. Mm-hmm. So I fully thought that probably Mel Gibson would come back with the sequel on it sometime or another. And when it went for year after year without doing it, yeah. I expressed surprise to my wife. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, why don't you write it? Yeah. I said, I'm not a script writer. Yeah. She says, no, but you're in Toastmasters. You enjoy telling stories. Yeah. You uh, have been a, a journalist. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go ahead and write uh, write it as a novel or something? Yeah. Uh, well, it was something I put off. I didn't really have time. Mm-hmm. And as I said, that's a, that's a dangerous excuse because I came down with diverticulitis. Oh. Laid up in the hospital. Yeah. So the, the day that I... Got put into the hospital. I told my wife to bring me my uh, my laptop. Yeah, and by and the time we started. and by the time we got out of the hospital, uh, about a week later, I had a, a little over a hundred pages done. How about that? And in other words, the basic outline of the yeah. story. Yeah, and and what it was dealing with was the story of the crucifixion and and one thing or another, but. From the standpoint of Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, yeah, the Bible tells us that they took down the um, body the body of Christ, of Christ. Uh-huh. and <clears throat> this was a time uh-huh. when it appeared to be a lost cause. Yeah, even Jesus's disciples uh-huh. had uh, had fled and were now behind locked doors. Yeah, why then would these two members of the Sanhedrin? Uh-huh risk everything to come forward at a time when Jesus' friends and, and everyone else had, had felt that it was it was a lost cause. I mean, right. his death showed that he couldn't be either the Messiah or the the Son of God, right? I mean, the Messiah is supposed to serve, is supposed to, uh, to reign from the, uh, the throne of David forever. Yeah. You can't do that if you're dead. Yeah. And God is a deity, can't die. Mm-hmm. So either one of the, his death would seem to uh, to do away with both of those. Yeah. Yet they came forward. Uh-huh. The Bible doesn't tell us why. But I thought there was an interesting story there, and, that's, and the result was Nicodemus' quest. 
Awesome. That's great. So have you uh, reached out to anyone uh, in the Mel Gibson organization about uh, about your work on this to see if they might be interested? In... No, I haven't. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I guess that'll be the next step, then, right? <laughs> it's, uh, but... I did that, did that story and then also, and then uh-huh. later came back with the, with Saul's quest, which was dealing with Saul of Tarsus. I see. Why is it that this young man yeah. who was so dedicated to trying to stamp out this, this uh, new cult? Yeah. Uh, we know why he, why he changed. Yeah. Over there on the road to, uh, but what was it that he was uh, finding objectionable? Yeah. And how, we know that he also studied for some time afterwards, right? Uh, as to the uh, the writings, as to, to try to determine where he went wrong. Yeah, but he but we don't know all the rest of the story on some of that. I see. Now, Bill, my listeners are going to be eager to know how they can get copies of these books. Um, our website for His Mighty Hand is actually under construction at this time, or we just put it up on the website. Can you tell us how uh, someone who wants to read your books can get a copy? Easiest way is Amazon. Okay. All of them are available on Amazon. Okay. Uh, they also, if you are a member of the of Kindle Prime, I think it's called, uh-huh. they would be available on Kindle uh, free of charge. I see. Now, if you're not a member of their, of their Prime, well, you have to... Okay. Uh, there's a slight charge. So go on Amazon and look up Nicodemus's Quest and Saul's Quest. Those those are a couple of the books. Those are the okay. Christian fictions that I've written. Okay. And then other books by Bill Kincaid, K-I-N-C-A-I-D, uh, would be also available on Amazon. Yes, they are. Good. Well, I hope that uh, our listeners will take advantage of that opportunity uh, to check those out. And I uh, want to thank you for being with us today, uh, Bill. And I'd like to ask you to come back next week, and we'll uh, we'll do a uh, a session two and learn a little bit more about your life. Uh, this is Chet Haney with the His Mighty Hand Radio broadcast, and we're so glad to have you with us today. And now here's the host of His Mighty Hand, Pastor Chet Haney. You know, there's a lot of people who won't wait for God, and so they get cooked in the squad. And if you would have waited, you know what you might have experienced? You might have experienced the compassion of those who love you. Those who care about you because you gave them time to come around and to surround you with love and concern and prayer and just tears. You know what? I've seen people in a situation like that who have the spiritual gift of mercy. And I want to tell you, when you operate in the gifts, it's amazing. Because God does things in the realm of spiritual gifts that are beyond human explanation. And I've been sitting there sometimes trying to find the words to say to someone. And up walks somebody, I can name a few of them, who had the spiritual gift of mercy. And all of a sudden, it's just like the Holy Spirit rises in that moment. And there's tears and love and there's compassion. And people show that they care. 
Martha was surrounded by all of these Jews, which is sort of like a testament to the fact. Very similar. Sometimes I'll drive by the funeral home and I'll see that parking lot packed full of people. I may not even know who's there. Maybe somebody from another church or another situation. But what does that packed parking lot say to you? It tells you how well thought of that person was. How many people loved him, whoever he was, and loved his family. Because now he's surrounded by compassion. Let people love you and and let them show compassion. Let them surround you with love and grace and let it rise while you're waiting on the Lord. Now here's another thing that rose with Mary and it was private communication with God. With Martha, I meant to say. Notice verse 20 says, As soon as Martha heard... That Jesus was coming. What did she do? Well, she went and met him. This time it was Mary who stayed at the house. And it was Martha who went to Jesus. Whereas before, it was Martha who was in the kitchen. And Mary who was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now this time it's reversed. And Martha goes to the Lord. What does she do, folks? She slips away. She has some words to say to Jesus that are going to be kind of a respectful confrontation, but she does not want to do that in the presence of everybody. She slips away to visit with Jesus privately. You know, there's some things you and I need to say to Jesus that we really can't say in a prayer group, in public. There's some things that we need to talk to Jesus about that need to be said alone with the Lord. And that was true for Jesus as well because the Bible says every morning, a great while before day, Jesus would slip away to a private place and there he would pray to his heavenly Father. And oh, the things Jesus and the Father must have said to each other in private communication. Let that rise while you're waiting on the Lord. Learn to practice the skill of unabashed, unashamed, crying out to God in prayer. Lord, if you had been here, she said, my brother would not have died. Now, what is that? That is a compliment inside a complaint. Isn't that something? It's a humble complaint, but wrapped up inside it is a strong faith compliment. Because she's saying, Lord, you could have made a difference. Because I know you. I know your power. I know your ability. I know what you're capable of doing. Lord, if only you had, where were you? What have you been doing? I was looking for you. I was waiting for you. Because I know that you are able. Wow. You know what? Communication like that rises when we have to wait on the Lord. And you may have a complaint yourself, and it may be related to what you're going through. But I want to tell you something. If you'll wait on the Lord, you're going to find as the Holy Spirit gives voice to it, He's going to help you as a prayer partner who can pray according to the will of God with groanings that cannot be uttered. He'll help you take that complaint and turn it into high praise. 
so that you'll be able to say to God what needs to be said because you waited on the Lord. Don't get cooked in the squat. Don't always say to God bitter complaints that don't have any faith in them. Don't just be miserable and and downcast and sorrowful and in despair because of your situation. Wait on the Lord and, and think about the Lord and focus and meditate on His Word and slip away and talk to the Lord and give confidence time to rise in your spirit. Look at verse 22, what she said. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Wow. This is total belief in God's Ability, And these are powerful words that are found numerous places in the scripture. Say them with me. Whatever you ask of God. Let's say that together. Whatever you ask of God. That's what Martha said to Jesus. Was an absolute certainty to her. In her estimation, in her way of thinking, in her mind, because she had had time to pour over her grief and to pour over her reflection and to think about if only Jesus had been there. And you know what? It kind of occurred to her. It's not too late. Not for the Lord Jesus. I I know even now, whatever you ask of God. Can I tell you something, folks? There's something powerful about that. Especially when we agree together. I I love praying with this man right here. My friend, my prayer partner, Brother Warren. I prayed with him last Tuesday night. We cried out to God together. Just a few of us there. That doesn't matter. Because there's a great big God there. And when we prayed, here's what happens. It's Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall ask anything in my name, it shall be done for you of the Father which is in heaven. Anything. Anything you shall ask. You know, that's what uh, God said to Solomon. Uh, God said to Solomon, ask me for something. And over in the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, I want to show you something here beautiful. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And listen to this, whatever we ask, we receive from him Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Can I ask you a question? Was it worth the wait to get to this verse? Whatever we ask. Wait on the Lord. Be patient. Let confidence and courage rise inside of you. Before Jesus comes. Don't get cooked in the squat of disbelief. Because you're focused on your problem instead of focused on the Lord. 
Let your problems focus yourself on the Lord. And look at verse 14 of 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, watch this. Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desire of thine heart. Let that one rise inside of you before you give up. How about Matthew 6.33 where Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Sounds kind of like whatever we ask, doesn't it? All these things will be added unto you. I tell you, the reason we have a hard time with confidence in that verse sometimes is because we haven't let it rise. And therefore, we step out prematurely before God's time, before God's will, before God's peace, before God's prompting. And no wonder we get cooked in the squat. Because we didn't wait on the Lord. She waited on the Lord until she could say with confident assurance and boldness, I know. She didn't say, I think. She said, I know that whatever you ask, even now, God will do it. That that is powerful. Now, I want you to see something else that's rather theological in nature, but practical in application. And this is what we could call today the essence before the experience. We're always about the experience, and that's what we're looking for. We want to experience the blessing of God and the power of God, and we want to see the evidence of God and the abundance of God. We want to see resurrection. But here's what Jesus says in uh, verse 23, your brother will rise again. That's the experience. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. That's sort of a someday faith. And that's what a lot of us have is a, is a someday faith. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus is not a someday savior. Jesus is a chain breaking, sin shaking, prison breaking savior right here and right now. And look at this. He says to her in verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection. He says, it is who I am. It's my essence. I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he die, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. A couple of important things we need to take to heart from these words of our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus. First of all, the power of the resurrection is in the person of Christ. 
Because he states it plainly. He, he doesn't say, I have power to cause resurrection. I have the authority to give a resurrection. I can make resurrection happen. Well, all of those things are true, but because of this, he says, I am the resurrection. When Jesus walked out of the grave and left behind an empty tomb with a rolled away stone, it was consistent with his identity as the son of God. The victor over sin, death, hell, and the grave just showed us who he is when he rose again. And so Jesus is saying to Martha, the same thing he's saying to you and me, and thank God we haven't uh, prematurely bolted But we've waited on the Lord, so now God is able to say some things to us by faith that he could not say otherwise. You realize this? Jesus is able to say some things to Martha here because of her faith, which has now risen. That that he could not say to a, a doubting Jewish skeptic or to someone else, she has now placed herself on a platform to receive a powerful truth, a message from God. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall never die. Now, what does this tell us except one powerful truth? There is, after all, such a thing as life after death. A lot of people wonder about this. A lot of people don't know what to think about this. The whole world is trying to sort this out, whether or not life after death is a reality or if we just die and that's it. And we just vanish into nothingness. That's what a lot of people believe. But I'll tell you something. Jesus Christ said it. And either the Lord Jesus Christ is a liar or the word of God is true. And I'm telling you right here, Jesus Christ said there is life after death. And the way you access it is through believing in him because he is the resurrection and the life. And that's what he says. Whoever believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And I want to say, yes, I do. I believe that Jesus is real. I believe he's the son of God. I believe there's life after death and I believe we're going to experience it in him. I say, amen. Yes, Lord, I believe. Well, Mary said so too. As a matter of fact, Mary gives one of the most beautiful confessions. I think it's equal to and on par with the confession of Peter. Who said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. At Caesarea Philippi, look what Mary says at Bethany. Martha, she says in verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. Now we're going to bow together in prayer. Right there. Because we've been talking today about making sure that we don't bolt prematurely. But that we wait on the Lord and we let some things rise inside of us that need to rise. And that is so important 
in a variety of situations and circumstances in your life and mine, that whatever God may be doing and whatever circumstances we may be dealing with, let's don't prematurely give up. Let's wait on the Lord. But I want to tell you, folks, there's one area of your life that rises above everything else, more important than anything else, and that is the salvation of your soul. You talk about getting cooked in the squat. What a shame it would be for Jesus to return. And we find ourselves ashamed at his coming because we didn't wait upon him and we got ourselves completely carried away with this world and with the flesh and with sin and with the devil and we we never really became a believer. Did you see last Sunday what I saw? There was a man in our church who'd been a part of this church for a long time, son of Bobby Ash, Steve Ash. He said, you know what? I was driving down the road recently listening to some sermons, and a funny thing happened to me. I became a Christian. Wow. How did he do that? Did he do it by an experience, or was it an experience he had because of the essence? of who Jesus is. And I I just want to invite you today, if you're listening on Facebook, if you're here in person, today is the day of salvation. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard, right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 